0: This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. It's so good to be back with you. Pastor Kane and I have been away for a few weeks. And it's always great to be back. We were at a Convoy of Hope event. Convoy of Hope is the ministry that we partner with, especially in times of disaster and relief in different nations and even around the United States. We uh, partnered with them uh, in our projects this year to Haiti. And we were looking at projects for the future with Convoy of Hope. And then we took a few uh, extra days uh, as a family to have some time away. I'm still in vacation mode. Can you you see? I'm wearing my vacation shirt. So good to have you. I'm glad you're here today. We're going to dive into the word. I believe God has got a powerful word for you Uh, today. We've had a move of the spirit and I'm going to shorten the message a little bit, but I want to get the word into your heart. So if you will. Just pause with me and let's open uh, the word of God by asking God to bless it to our lives. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that we can uh, enter into your presence with joy and thanksgiving, that God, we can make a declaration of our love and our praise that we can declare that you are Lord and Lord of all. And today as we open the word, the word of God, let it instruct us and guide us and teach us and anchor our faith to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For in that is our hope of salvation. It's our blessed hope that one day you are coming again to receive us unto yourself. And we long and look forward to that day. Open our ears and our eyes. Illuminate to us now. And all God's people said, amen and amen. I've shared with you before that I wasn't a very good high school student. Good thing that the high schoolers have already slipped out of the room so that they don't hear this. But I wasn't a very good high school student. I was in sports. I was in a lot of activities. I didn't take my studies seriously. But when I got to college... Things began to change. I began to understand the call of God on my life, the purpose of God, and I began to pursue that. But now I had a lot of catching up. I had to learn how to study. I had to learn how to write papers. I needed to learn how to research. I needed to learn really how to read and 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 and, and grasp what I was reading. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you can identify, but that was my journey. And when I got the Bible school and I began to take things seriously, I dove into one of my very first assignments. And as I dove into that assignment, I let my studies, I let my writing, I let everything just kind of direct me as I was writing my paper and I was doing the project. I was pretty proud of it. It was only supposed to be a two-page paper and it ended up being seven pages. I was pretty excited. I thought I had done a pretty good job. I turned it in and I waited for the results to come back. And when the results came back, I got a very low grade. I was heartbroken. It's like, what had happened? I put a lot of time and energy. I wrote seven pages. He only asked for two pages. Why would I receive such a low grade? And he wrote on the paper, great project, great paper, much depth. The problem is it was the wrong assignment. (laughs) You didn't do what I asked you to do. Now, as a professor myself now, as I grade students' papers, I often find myself conflicted with the same feeling. They put a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of work into something, but it wasn't what I asked them to do. It's the wrong assignment. Well, I've come to realize as a pastor through the years that there are many Christians that put a lot of time, energy and work, but they're working on the wrong thing. They're focusing on the wrong thing. In a sense, they're working on the wrong assignment. And the problem is, is you can be putting in a lot of effort and a lot of work, but you can be working on the wrong thing and at the end of the day, you see that you're failing. You look across the church and you see it. Marriages are failing, families are failing, we're failing in our commitments, we're failing in, in, in our commitments of what we're doing, we're, we're failing in our careers and our work, we're failing and many times it's because we're working on the wrong assignment. I'm here to tell you today that there is a plan. There is a purpose. There is something that God says is what I want you to do as a Christian and as a believer. And if you will focus on this, you will get everything else right. The problem is, is we focus on sometimes the wrong assignment. So in this series on live it out. I think it's one of the most important messages that we could share with you today, and that is how to work on what God desires for you and I to work on. We're going to be working on and talking about today the pursuit of godliness. Look with me in your Bibles or in the scriptures that you have in the outline or on the screen if you didn't bring a Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. Paul is writing to young Timothy. Timothy. Now, they've been dealing with, in the church, he's a pastor. Timothy is a young pastor, a young minister. And they've been dealing with false teaching. False prophets have been rising up. There's controversy that's going on. And Paul is writing in what we call the pastoral epistles. It's, in a sense, what pastors should share with their congregation. Well, today just as he's writing to Timothy to share with his church, I am sharing with you, Christian Life Center, the church that God has placed us in with the same message. First Timothy 4, 8. For while bodily training is of some value, here's the key, godliness is of value in every way. Underline it. As it holds the promise for the present life and also... For the life to come. You see when we look at this. We can see. That there are many things. That God would say is important. But the right assignment. Is that we work on godliness. We work on what is the substance. Of our life. Maybe you've realized. Growing up around the church. Or being in the church. Or 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 being a part of a church. For many many years. It's just going to church. Doesn't make you godly. Oh we can look godly. We can dress up and try to act godly. But the reality is what's the substance. For that is what makes us godly. The appearance of godliness and yet no reality. They look the part but they don't have it within the inside. They're looking what, what should be like a godly person. And yet inside they're not is what we call religious. They have the appearance but there's no power. They're not connected to the very thing that would bring glory to God. You see, that's the problem with religion. Religion gives the impression that, that you are related to God. You look religious, you have religious activity, you do religious acts, but the problem is is if there's no change and if we don't reflect what is godly, and I will define it for you, if we don't understand it, then the problem is, is we have appearance, but no power within. The scripture is very, very clear. In 1 Timothy 6, 11, you, oh man or woman of God, flee these things. And we're going to begin to talk about it in a moment. Flee these things. What things? Well, Paul had just been telling Timothy to share with the congregation Not to have a love for money and possessions and material things of this world. But then he begins, and the reason he says that, by the way, is a love of money, a love of the things of this world, even though it's tempting, it will enslave us. The things of this world leads to coveting and desiring and wanting more and more and more, and eventually it is idolatry in our life. So Paul says to young Timothy, flee these things and pursue. Say pursue. Pursue. Now, pursue means you're running after. You're running swiftly. You're, 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 you're grasping. You're earnestly desiring and longing and seeking and eagerly wanting something. Pursue. Pursue what? Well, he says pursue righteousness. Righteousness is that we're in a right standing with God. Now, that's only possible because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because of what Christ has done for you and I, we are now righteous in the eyes of Christ. We take off the sin of our life. The bondage and the sin and the habits of our life are now forgiven when we come to Christ. It's only possible through Jesus Christ. We partake of the divine nature because of Jesus Christ. If you've not given your life to Christ today, before you leave, pause and say, Father, forgive me of my sin. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I accept you as my Savior, and I commit to make you my Lord. And then you will be able to stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So he says, pursue that. Seek that. Run after that. Secondly, he says, pursue godliness. We'll come back to that. Pursue faith. Now, faith is a faith to believe and also faith to be faithful. So God, help me pursue my, in in my walk with you, I'm pursuing my faith. I'm developing it. I'm growing it. I want to become stronger in my knowledge of who you are. But also, God, help me to be faithful. Can I hear an amen? amen? Learning to trust God more and more. Pursue faith. Pursue love. Now, last week, Pastor Kevin helped us to understand here at the Fort Lauderdale campus, this agape love, a love for God that flows over to have a love for others so that we care for them just as God himself would care for them. That's why I love what we're doing in the outreach uh, department on Thursday nights over the next few weeks, uh, the, 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 the Christmas in July, is we're loving those that are around us. It's a love. A love, an agape love, a sacrificial love, a a love that goes beyond my own self-centeredness and desires. He says, pursue that, pursue steadfastness or patience, endurance, perseverance, especially when there's trials and there's peer pressure and there's sickness and there's death and there's all of these things that are happening. He's saying, don't buckle under the pressure of life. Be strong, be steadfast, hold up. Can I tell you, that's what's so powerful about worship services is it builds your faith. It's, it's, like, it's like a strength that comes that holds you up to carry you through the weight and the struggles and the pressures of life. I'm telling you, when you have God's strength, you can make it through sickness, you can make it through death, you can make it through trial, you can make it through loss. How are believers around the world holding in their faith in the midst of such turmoil and crisis, be it in Haiti or Cuba or in the Middle East, wherever it may be, is there's a faith that's within them and a steadfast that's there. That's no matter what's coming my way, I will not buckle and I will not give in. Man, God, give me that. I pursue that. I desire it. And by the way, by being in services like this, your faith is building a steadfastness within you. He says, pursue it. And then he says, pursue gentleness. Now, this is something that I think the church in many ways got wrong in the last 18 months. Pursue gentleness. Gentleness is a meekness. It's not a weakness. It's actually a strength. It's you're gentle, you're tender, you're humble, you're considerate. You have a strength to control and to discipline your opinions, <laughs> to control your urges, your desires. There is a gentleness and a meekness. That's another sermon for another day for another pastor. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not going there but there's a gentleness that doesn't mean that we don't have opinions it doesn't mean that we don't have a faith or convictions but there's a gentleness that gentleness pastor kevin talked about last week that gentleness leads us to love one another Regardless of our beliefs, our political backgrounds, our color, our our ethnicity, our economic situations, it's a love for one another and it's a meekness, a gentleness, a humbleness, a consideration that we look at each other as equals and, and we love one another and we walk together in that love because it's an example to the world because of our love for one another. And unfortunately, like I said, I don't think we got it right this last year in the church as a whole. I'm proud of Christian Life Center because we worked really hard to get it right. And I'm proud of you because you were an example to many around. But there's this, 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 this gentleness. And he says, we gotta pursue that. We gotta work for that. And I, and I gotta get away from that. So, so because of, 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 of time, there's some other things that Paul's gonna say here But I just want to anchor that thought because it's something that the Lord has continued to put in my heart is that we walk in consideration and humility and in gentleness and tenderness with each other. So turn to your brother and your sister and say, You're my brother. You're my sister. I love you in the love of the Lord. Now say it You're my brother. Haitian saying it to a Jamaican. You're my sister you're my brother. A Jamaican saying it to a Latino, you're my brother. You're my sister. A white Caucasian saying it to a European, you're my brother. You're my sister. And man, it's a reflection to the world. Well, I asked you to skip, pursue godliness. Godliness. And in the next 15 minutes or so, I want to just help us to understand this command that we're to run after, seek eagerly and earnestly for this godliness in our life. So the question, if you're taking notes, write it down. What is godliness? Let's define it for a moment. It's used about 15 times in the New Testament. It's primarily used by Paul. Paul, in the pastoral epistles, is telling the pastors to tell their congregations to pursue godliness. Now, there's a lot of opinions of what the job description of a pastor is. And quite honestly, we can't fulfill all of the expectations of what everybody has for what the pastor should do or should be, how his family should be, and you're loving and you're kind and you're considered, I have more expectations on myself than you probably have on me. But there's one thing I know that I must get right and our pastoral team must get right and it's the assignment that Paul gave and that is that we create an environment we create a place where you and I have an environment where we can pursue godliness. Yes, we want to reach the lost. We have a mission to a, to a lost and to a dying world. But we have a command that we pursue godliness. we got to understand it. We've got to be encouraged to pursue it. And we've got to achieve it in our life. Now, you'll never be a god but you can reflect the nature of God. There's some out here that think they're God. You're not God. You're not God. Someone had a little too big of an amen right over there. But we're to pursue it. Can I hear another? an amen? We gotta, we gotta pursue it. We gotta achieve it. We gotta work on it in our life. So what is godliness? Well, godliness is that we are Christ-like. That we have a Christ-likeness and that we have a lifestyle that is consistent with the character of God and it's consistent with the life and the character of Christ. That we're pursuing it. It's a, it's a lifestyle. When I leave the church, when I leave life group, when I when I'm not around other believers and I'm out in the world, is my life reflecting the nature of Christ? Now, godliness doesn't mean perfection. Godliness doesn't mean that that I'm going to have it all right. No, I'm still going to struggle. There's still a work in process. It's called the work of sanctification that God is molding and shaping, and he's working on me, and he's not done with any of us. It's a work in progress. Can I hear an amen? Wives, we're a work in progress. Be patient with us. He's still working on me. Amen. But godliness does mean that there is a consistency, a consistency to pursue the nature of God, a, a consistency to be like Christ, to reflection of the glory of Christ, the, the, the nature of God shining through my life. Godliness assumes that we agree with God, that we agree with the ways of God and the things of God, and it becomes a lifestyle. So I'm pursuing it. I want to live in this reality. Godliness leads to this place of consistency. There's three quick things I want to share with you that this godliness will lead to. First of all, it leads to a life of love. Say a life of love. Let me read to you first. John chapter 4 and verse 16. So we have come to know and to Believe that the love of God, that the love that God has for us is this. God is love. And to believe the love that God has for us, God is love. And whoever underlined this or circle it abides in love, abides in God. And God abides in him. Now, if you're taking notes, you may want to write in the notes section. This is the mystery of godliness. And the mystery is that it's found in the love of God. I shared earlier that God sent his son into the world he sent his son into the world to save you and I, and, and, and it's through the love of God that you and I come to realize that we are forgiven and we are saved, and this is the way that we know that God is love, is because of the love that God has for me, and the mystery then of godliness is that that love of God has got to flow through me. Loving one another as God has loved me and that the confession of my faith is one that declares that God has forgiven me and I am free of sin and the bondage of sin can be broken in my life. And there's a testimony in my life that says the father loves me and that love from God is a love that has me love everyone. As I said earlier, they may not agree with me, they may not look like me, they they, they, they may not even believe like me, but there's a love that's got to be demonstrated through me because that's the nature of God in me. Turn over, it's not in your outline, but turn over to 1 Corinthians 13. In 1 Corinthians 13, we know it as the love chapter. In every place the word love is, I challenge you to reflect later by putting your name where the word love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love is not rude. And love is not self-seeking. It's not easily Angered, and love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but love rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, love always trusts, love always hopes, love always perseveres. Love never fails. Okay, let's do this together. Everywhere love is, put your name. Say it with me. Tom. No, 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 don't say Tom. (laughs) Say your name. Say your name. Love. Tom is patient. Love is kind. Tom is kind. Tom does not envy does not boast. It does not, is not proud. Tom is not rude. Tom is not self-seeking. Tom is not easily angered. Tom keeps no records of wrongs. Now, some of these are hitting us in different ways, right? (laughs) Love does not delight in evil. Tom doesn't delight in that. Tom doesn't delight in, uh, Tom rejoices with the truth though always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, never fails, is faithful in all that we say or do. That's the prayer that God would say for you and I. When you have the nature of Christ, when you're pursuing godliness, that is the reflection of your life. So simple and yet so so complicated and difficult, is it not? But when I learn to abide and dwell in his love, the more I dwell in his love, the more his love will dwell in me and will enable me to reflect his love. And that will be the way that I will live my life if I'm not loving others, if I'm not demonstrating love like this in the nature of God and what God says, then the problem is, is that I am not living godly. So if I walk through this and I see a believer, a follower, that isn't patient, a follower that isn't kind, a follower that is envious, if I see a so-called Christian that is boastful and proud, I was with some this last week, and and boy, they would be dropping all kinds of names and things, and, and 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 I was preparing this message, and all I could do is say, "God, help me to live humbly before you." I'm not rude. I'm not self-seeking. I'm not easily angered. I keep no record of wrongs. I don't delight in evil, but I rejoice in the truth. I always protect. Now, that's open-ended. Protect what? Protect the innocent. Protect those that are being uh, uh, persecuted. I, I protect those that are being done wrong. I always trust. I always help. I always persevere. And I never fail, meaning I'm always faithful. Man, God, can I reflect that in my life? Now, why is this important? Paul says, listen, guys. He says, listen, this is the proof of your salvation. It's the proof that you've got the nature of God. It's not just that we pray a prayer. It's not just that we say, God, come into my heart and forgive me of my sin. It goes way deeper than that. Do I have the nature of God? See, if I have the nature of God, we are godly. And in that, there is a love for others. Can I hear an amen? Now, be warned, there's an enemy... Of godliness. There's something that's fighting your pursuit of godliness, if you realize it or not. In fact, for some of you, it's the reason that your faith is not solid and consistent and you're up and down in your faith. It's because there's an enemy. Look at 2 Timothy. Paul is still writing to young Timothy. And in 2 Timothy, he says this in verse 16. But avoid irrelevant babble. <laughs> What's he saying is, listen, this godless chatter, this empty, meaningless babble that's going on, avoid it. For it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. What is it? It's, 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 it's gossip. It's, it's this uh, immoral pursuit and, and lifestyle. It's, it's worldly philosophies. It's, it's really this allowing myself to come outside of the realm of what is a pursuit of godliness in my life. And he says it leads to more and more ungodliness. So the enemy of godliness is worldliness. What is worldliness? Well, worldliness is when I leave God out. When I leave God out of my life, we've all heard about the world of fashion or the world of politics or the world of sports or the world of finance. But the problem with all of that is if we leave God out, if I leave him out of my relationships, if I leave him out of entertainment that's in my life or or the discussions or the decisions or the opinions that I have, if I leave God out and I put God into a box, then I've stepped into the realm of worldliness. What is that realm? Let me go deeper. Is it's a it's a mentality, it's a thought process where you're leaving God out. See, I've shared before that because we've given our life to Christ, it's like painting with watercolor paint on a canvas. Jesus is Lord, not just Savior. See if he's Lord you don't leave him out If he's Lord He influences all areas Of your life Jesus is Lord If he's Lord (laughs) It impacts how I dress How I talk Where I go What I do Who I marry It impacts my whole life It impacts the careers that I take And choices that I make Why? Jesus is Lord But for too many Christians, he's just savior. And they haven't embraced him as Lord. You see, here's the problem, here's here's the problem. And man, I'm, I'm, I'm out of time today, I'm out of time. But this is the problem. You see, if you step into the world of worldliness and you don't continue the pursuit of godliness, then you're in an environment that you weren't meant to be in as a believer. I went fishing a few weeks back I went out on a little kayak, I was on a lake, and and I was just doing catch and release, and you know, and I was throwing it out, I caught four or five, just little bitty ones, but when I caught this one fish, I saw that up in the trees were were these, uh, I don't know what kind of birds they were, but they had big nests, and, and uh, they had young ones, and they were trying to feed the one, young ones, so I thought I was going to be nice and help them out, So there was a dock that was over to the side and I caught this little bitty fish. And so as I caught him, I threw him over on the dock and I paddled away so that the birds could come down and get an easy meal. That was pretty godly, I thought. Now, the problem is, is the fish begins to flap all around. I see his gills going up and down. He's trying to breathe. And I I can, I I felt so bad because he was trying to get back to the water. Why is the water was his environment? He wasn't in his environment when he was out of the water. And so he's flapping around and he's trying to get back. And man, right then and there, I begin to understand this realm of worldliness and godliness. You see, if we get into the world of worldliness, we step into that. We're breathing, but we're breathing in that which is going to kill us. Because it's not our environment. We're we're pursuing and we're longing and we're desiring that which we're not supposed to because we've stepped into a world that is not our world. See, you and I are citizens of the kingdom of God. Our world is different. And when we pursue godliness, everything in a Christ follower's life begins to reflect the nature of God. So godliness leads to a transformation in your life number of years ago probably, probably very few of us Had to do it But many, many years ago The only way that you could wash clothes Is through using a washboard I think I have a picture of a washboard Here somewhere Right there And you would, you know You would wash, right? You would, you'd go up and down Anybody ever use a washboard? Wow, so many of you wow, aren't you thankful now that you don't have to use the washboard anymore? Now, the washboard, you're using it, right? you're, you're, You're using power and you're scrubbing and you're trying to make clean and you're trying to make it clean in your own efforts, in your own power. Now, in modern days, we don't have to use a washboard because we have washing machines either in our home or we go somewhere and we pay, you know, a few quarters or dollars, whatever, and, and we wash now through a washing machine. We don't have now to scrub like they used to do because now the washing machine will do all the work. Same goal. The goal is clean clothes. But now the power to clean it is not in our effort, but it's in the power of the machine. Man, the beautiful thing is when life transformation comes to you and I, it's the mystery of godliness is now we're centered on the uniqueness of who Jesus Christ is and we're centered on the power that comes through the name of Jesus and we receive it through the resurrection. I'm telling you, anybody that can predict their death and their resurrection and pull it off is someone we can put our faith in and say this one is the son of God. And now we're made clean, not in our human effort, but we're made clean in the power that comes through the Son of Jesus Christ. And in that, we can say, praise the Lord. Well, because of time, I can't linger here because I want to get to one last point. But godliness leads to a life of power. It's not just external Power I'm talking about, gifts and anointing. But what I'm really talking about is an internal power. You see, there is power when you walk in godliness. When you pursue godliness, you find strength and it brings a peace in your life that many of you are longing and hoping for. See, the answer for the peace that you're seeking is to pursue godliness. Why? It's because when you begin to pursue godliness, things in your life begin to come into order. When you make Jesus the Lord of your life, man, the the drip of Christ begins to impact everything. And as it impacts everything, it brings everything into alignment. And I'm telling you, that is such a power and a strength within you. And it's crucial and it's so important because the power that God is talking about is a power that's within. It's not external, but it's internal. That's why going back again, he says that there is a form of godliness. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying the power. Avoid such Now that's really a hard statement To a young Jewish pastor Because what he's saying is If you have religious people Stay away from them Avoid them Because they're going to infect Those that have a pursuit Of godliness See what I'm trying to do Is I'm trying to anchor us Anchor us To how God wants us to live out Our life I believe that going to church and singing and worshiping and and living a righteous life, I believe all of that is something that God desires. But the most important thing is that I pursue godliness, that I don't have a shape, a form, a, a silhouette Of what godliness is A form of righteousness or godliness But yet I don't have the power within No, when I pursue godliness There's something that gives me strength Within, can I hear an amen So In our final moments, I'm going to invite our team back They're already here, thank you guys Go ahead, just begin to play for me Why it helps me wind down (laughs) So how do I pursue it, pastor? How do I pursue it? The most important point that I can make in the closing of this message is you pursue godliness by living in the light of his character. Remember, I defined it. The character of Christ is the nature of God. It can be seen in the fruit of the Spirit, the characteristics of who Christ was, when I reflect that in my life and I pursue that godliness, that's the character of Christ. So how do I pursue this is I've got to live in the light of his character. What am I saying is we've got to develop the character of Christ. Godliness is linked to Jesus Christ. And our assignment is to become more like him. Look with me in this verse, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully On the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy as I am holy. Conforming my passions is to be Christ-like. But pastor, that's not possible. Sure it is. It is possible when you and I pursue godliness and we understand that godliness is linked to his character. And therefore, my character matters. What is character? Well, character is what you are when nobody is watching. Character is what you are when no one sees what you're doing. Man, when you look through Scripture, you'll see 30, almost 40 different character qualities. Integrity is when you're the same on the inside as you are on the outside. That your inward values match up with your outward actions. I love the example of Daniel. Daniel in the Old Testament was an advisor to the king. And there were some that plotted against him. It's in Daniel chapter 6. You can read it at another time. But they were plotting against him. And they were trying to find something wrong with him. And Yet the scripture shows that Daniel was always faithful. It shows that he was always responsible. He was completely trustworthy. And Daniel determined that no matter what decisions he was going to make, he was going to live by his values. And so he faces a a crucial, important choice. Was he going to submit to these ungodly laws? Or was he going to follow his convictions? And Daniel chose To let his core values guide him. And why are we bringing you back to how God wants us to live out our faith? It's because the days are coming. The days are coming that your core values will have to guide you. You will have to choose to live to your core values. The day is coming when we will be faced with decisions. Do we do what maybe those in authority would tell us to do, but it violates biblical values? The day is coming. We'll make choices. What will be confusing is that churches, for some, will say choose to follow what those in authority say, even when it violates Scripture. We're gonna be, be wrestling with issues like Daniel had to wrestle with. And yet he chose that those core values was going, to dis, was going to define him and guide him and he knew ahead of time the decisions that he would make. My prayer is that you and I are so in line with the nature and the character and the ways and the principles of God that we know before it comes the decisions that we will make. See, character is something. Character is something that you are. Reputation is something that you're supposed to be. Character is, is one thing, one thing that, 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 that God desires within us and, and we develop it over time. Reputation is something that, that we can build in a moment instantly like that. Character is built over a long period. It's built throughout your future. Your reputation grows like a mushroom. But character grows like an oak tree. See, the pursuit of godliness is linked to your character. My final thoughts is three principles I've learned about character. Something that I've tried to pursue for years and years and years. Three principles I've learned is your character will protect you. When they know your character, it will protect you. Well, this is what I know is self-discipline is required to develop character. And there is no excuses for flaws or weaknesses or cracks in my character. I've got to develop it. I've got to work on it. I've got to keep growing it. And boy, the biblical characters, especially of Christ, when when I'm victorious in those, it gives me internal strength. It leads me. It tells me how to lead my life. But self-discipline is what develops it in my life. Don't give up on working on our character, Lord. Help us not to give up when adversity comes and tough decisions come and and choices are coming at us. Help me, Lord, to stand in what I know is true for that is character. Circumstances that are beyond my control let it not define my character. A second principle that I've learned about character is character is the will to do right even When it's hard. See the little things matter. When you're developing character. I love the quote by D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody says this. About. Your character. He says that character. Is something. That you and I. Develop. In the dark. Where nobody sees it. So that when we get out into the light It reflects who we really are Another quote Another quote by the name of Philip Brooks Says character May be manifested in great moments But it's made in the small decisions Of our life The decision to get up and read your Bible The decision to worship weekly The decision to do what's right, even when it's hard. What are the core values in my life? Do I know what they are? Do I know how I'm going to live? Do I know the decision I'm going to make before it even comes before me? You see, those core values are little decisions. that I'm always going to do what's right. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. The cowardice will ask the question, is it safe? The one that is looking for consensus will ask the question, is it popular? But character asks the question, is it right? Is this the right thing to do? By the way, character conflict comes when doing the right thing begins to uh, be connected to a price that you're going to have to pay. Now you have a character conflict. This is the right thing. But it means I have to pay more taxes. This is the right thing. Let me go back to the taxes. So I don't report all my wages. I know they might do that in other countries. But that's not the right thing. I report my wages. When I'm self-employed. Yeah, the government has a way of recording your wages. It's the right thing. But I won't have as much money to tie to the church. Well, actually you will because you give 10% of what you make. And so we do the right thing. And see what I've learned is that character is always a choice. I choose to do right. And boy, we could spend a lot of time here, but I'm out of time. We choose to do right. So, Father, as we come to the end of this message, I pray, God. I pray that in a powerful service like this, Lord, we've taken time. We've gone over, but we've gone over because we know this is so vital. That Father, we pursue godliness. Just say that, Father, help me to pursue Godliness. God, I pray that you'll help us to grow our character. Develop our character. Grow in Christ-likeness. Father, teach us how to study to become what you want us in our character. Lord, help us to learn the Beatitudes. That's, that's character development. Help us to understand the fruit of the Spirit. That's character development. Help us to know the nature of God. Your nature, God. For that's character development. Godly people make the right choices. And then they manage them. God, I pray that you'll help us to develop that. The Lord will live in your spirit. We'll be spirit-led, spirit-filled, spirit-empowered. That we'll be led and guided by your spirit. That we won't gratify the desires of the flesh that's worldly, but that God, we will press in to pursue after you. And Father, when we do, we're crucifying the flesh and the desires of the flesh so that God, your spirit can lead us and keep us in step with you. And Lord, I pray that your word will be a lamp unto our feet. That it'll anchor us to the resurrection. It'll anchor us to the nature of Christ. And that God in all ways we will live out. We will live out for the glory of God. The purposes of God will be manifested through our lives. For the glory of your holy name. So one more time Lord I ask you. Help us to pursue godliness. For your glory and all God's people said amen and amen give the Lord praise hallelujah if this ministry is making an impact in your life why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today you can give through our clc app or at clcftl.org forward slash give thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this Now go and be messengers of hope.